0: Hey, it's the FinTech newscast. My name's John, and with me, as always, is Steve. How are you doing?
1: Good to see you, John—or good to hear you, rather. I'm well. How are you?
0: Very smooth, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, well, you know who's uh, very smooth with their partnership is uh, Cross River Bank. I, I just saw there up over the three billion dollar valuation mark, which, okay, is not. Huge, huge these days, but uh, they're, they're slow and steady. They seem to be partnering with everybody and offering more and more services. Interesting story to watch. We'll have to follow them a little bit more closely. Well, I just saw that they're partnering up with uh, Revolut to offer more products. And and uh, of course, they're one of the big banks out there that are behind the scenes for so many fintechs to offer more and more services. So yeah, pretty, pretty interesting in, in terms of them doing being behind the scenes behind the curtains uh the bank you don't hear about as much but uh uh, powering a a lot of fintech Uh, i don't think they do a whole lot with uh wealth management though they they might be opening open to partnering with our guests on the show today we have wealth management fintech farther uh we have bradley genser the founder and cto and taylor matthews the co-founder welcome to the podcast Thanks, guys. Great to be here.
2: Sean. Hi, Steve. You didn't ask us how we're feeling. We're feeling smooth, too.
0: All right. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of um, fintechs kind of like uh, have been very good at seeing these um, pain points, identifying them and smoothing them out. And you seem to be doing that with uh, family wealth offices. That's the idea, is to really take
3: what uh, I think is is traditionally a challenge dealing with the complexity of you know uh, accumulating wealth and actually bringing it all together for folks so that they can manage it all in one place and and uh, you know take action across their their entire portfolio all from you know one simple interface and that's you know not just the investment accounts but all of the other things that kind of touch on that wealth.
0: I know so, it's been such a pain for me accumulating all this wealth. <laughs> So oh, yeah, well, we're here for you, John. Don't worry. Yeah,
1: j- yeah. John, we'll hold your hand. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: what is different? What are the, what uh, what needs are different for a family wealth uh, office versus other types of uh, wealth management?
3: the The real benefit here is that uh, for folks who are you know kind of a progressing in their careers, who are um, you know kind of dealing with new challenges, whether that's starting a family, having a liquidity event. Um, you know, getting equity comp, maybe maybe for the first time, having concentrated positions, at some point, you, you recognize that maybe you could use a little bit of help. And that's where a financial advisor traditionally steps in. Uh, so we, we're kind of the backbone that powers that financial advisor and uh, gives them superpowers. To, uh, you know, to, to advise you better, to help you take that wealth that you are accumulating, the complexity in your life uh, that, that, you're, uh, that you're generating and straighten it out for you and see it all and help manage it all in one place.
2: It, additionally, I, I think that when we, look, when we look across there, it really matters what you do. I mean, 1% return over something like 72 years doubles your money, right? And really, realistically, with the amount of money that our clients have, there's significant life decisions and differences in their future selves. Uh, as we go forward. So we're very focused on kind of significant wealth. We're focused on the transformations that drive the drive returns and drive that kind of optimal kind of um, stuff, taking advantage of tax advantaged accounts, lending, making sure that all your plan is on track constantly. It's a, it's a little bit higher bar uh, than you typically see in more retail settings.
0: So, what kind of technology helps? Uh, you, you mentioned uh, using modern technology. What, what kind of advances or, or new things make you excited to offer new features in this space?
2: So, I think that if we look at if we look at the history of finance, you know, I think most of the fir- leading firms were built, uh, you know, kind of up through the nineties the, in and the early two thousands. Financial crisis hit, and then everything stagnated in terms of technology investment in fintech space as Everyone tried to like was reeling from from 2008 and uh, during that time, we obviously saw that also the rise of the huge consumer internet companies and, uh, and the advances they made in technology. So all the types of technologies and streaming data, data analysis at scale uh, really developed while the industry was unable to move. And now we can turn those kinds of streaming data uh, and personalization techniques that have been built uh, across those consumer tech companies and turn it towards wealth management. We can turn, we can really scale the ability to have a truly personalized plan rather than just rolling out templated uh, templated kind of uh, options that traditional firms typically have.
0: So how has it been attracting uh, talent these days? Uh, you know, I hear there's a competition certainly with in the Bay Area, you know you have Facebook, Google and uh, Apple and so many others uh, pulling in talent. Has that been a, a challenge for you and uh, easier or harder during the pandemic, uh, hiring remote, or, or are, you, are you able to get who you need? So,
3: so one of the cool things about us is that we were born remote. So Brad and I, were we started this thing from opposite coasts. Brad's in New York, I'm out here in San Francisco. And from the, so from the get-go, even before the pandemic, we, uh, we kind of adopted that remote first culture. Uh, And that's allowed us to not only recruit from the places that that we live in the the Bay Area and the New York area, but also the rest of the country. Uh, I I think if I if I count right, we have uh, uh, employees in 14 different states um, and we we feel like we're you know, not uh, not as limited uh, in that in that talent competition as maybe some some other folks are. So if you're if you're listening, if you're not uh, you know in, in one of those traditional areas where um, you know where jobs are you know uh, you know I guess easier to get, um, you know we're we're here for those people as well, and that's a uh, I think that's just been a huge advantage to us, especially throughout the pandemic and, you know, looking forward, just, uh, you know, we're really excited to continue offering that benefit to, to our employees.
2: And just to add a little texture to, to Taylor's answer, we actually recruit across two two different kind of alleys, right? So on the advisor side, like we are free of, of the office constructs that like, you know, at big firms, they will not let you leave the office. And in fact, most are driving them back. So we find that, that as, as they put more pressure on their advisors, they're more likely to move. And then on the technology side, we can have people work from anywhere. And that's that's phenomenal. You know, we actually have one of our junior developers is, has taken off to Italy for, for a little while. And um, it, it's no disruption to us. Just like make sure your hours align with us and, and we'll keep on cranking. So it's uh, it's been pretty, I think, pretty beneficial. Super scary when we were starting out, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: but uh, you know, I think we're we've really benefited from the move, the aggressive movement from COVID.
3: Employees, it, going investors to, are certainly might... more on board with that remote-first construct now as well. It, uh, <laughs> it didn't go quite so smoothly the first time.
0: Oh, they're they're worried about that, huh? Uh, they,
3: they were. Uh, we we ended up with. Uh, with one firm who would write us, uh, you know, one of our first checks, but only if Brad moved out here to the Bay Area, and ultimately, oh, wow. we we ended up having to decline.
2: Well, or only if Taylor moved to New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that yeah, you know, that brings up one of the compromises or or uh, things you have to do if you take uh, investment money is. You- you're giving up ownership. You're you have uh, you kind of have a boss again, uh, so it's it's important to have those uh, investors that kind of align with uh, what your your ideals, your plans, and your values are. Right. Well, that, that's exactly right, and and your vision. I think
3: that's that's really important because ultimately, you always have a boss. You you have you know you have your customers. Uh, you have your your employees and you know, you have your um, you have your investors and all of them have different demands that, um, you know, that, that you want you hopefully have are aligned on. And that's, um, you know, so even even though we have taken on a bit of outside capital, it's been phenomenal to have really great partners who who do align on that vision, who. You know, kind of see the world the way that we do, and see the opportunity to create a a better place for for financial advisors and their clients to uh, you know to join this platform. And uh, so we we've just been really lucky in in our relationships with uh, you know with
0: the the investors who have joined us. That's kind of interesting that uh, someone would ask you or one of you to move and change your, your lives like that. Uh, any any other interesting anecdotes like that from meeting with uh, investors? That was the
3: only time that we had a, a pretty strong demand placed on us. Uh, I, I think you know we've certainly had our fair share of of conversations where you know uh, people just genuinely don't believe that you know there's a uh, you know there there's the same problem here. So for instance, we have um, investors who you know fundamentally don't believe that that financial advisors should play any role in anybody's life ever. <laughs> Interesting, and that's Why? probably not going to be the right, you know, the right fit for us.
0: There's a lot of people who kind of project their situation onto everyone else, and, and that doesn't mean that there's not a market just because they're not a customer for it. I see that a lot, like that projection hundred percent
3: and you know it's kind of funny because when you're um, when, when you're pitching a product that's you know, you know to a group of professional investors who all believe that they have you know a, a unique secret sauce that's you know it's special to them uh, that you know that, that doesn't necessarily align with you know uh, letting somebody else manage your money. So you have to be able to put themselves in, you know, in folks shoes that are, you know, that are different from them who, you know, do find that value. And sometimes they're able to do it and sometimes not so much.
0: Yeah. I get people asking all the time, like, why would I want a payday advance for two or three days? Why would I ever invest in Ethereum or is it NFTs? That's all going to go away like pet rocks. Right. And, um, but you're actually in a more relative to those a more traditional space, but but you still hear that sometimes, huh?
3: A hundred percent, and of course, you know we ha- we have clients who are who are you know just as embedded in the Web three community as uh, as everybody else, and then we have folks who are you know much more traditional. So we we try and uh, you know we, we try and be responsive to to those needs as well.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that the w- one of the things we get to do is we get to serve clients across the spectrum. There, particularly because we do have that relationship between technology and um, and advisors. All the way at one end of the spectrum, I want to do. I, I want to be in charge. I want to fly the plane, uh, but sit next to me, <laughs> please, in the seat. <laughs> uh, on the other on the other side of the spectrum, we have, hey, I don't want to deal with this. Please, I'm outsourcing this. So. So please do that. And uh, either you know, way, most...
0: it's going to be your fault when things uh, <laughs> 100%. go south, and <laughs> it'll <about laughs> be their glory when it does well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that, that's that's right, that's right, uh, and and that's okay. That's our job is to sort of act as that is that uh, shield to you know for our clients to claim victory and for us to absorb their their losses and sort of say, yeah, we were wrong. It was us who put all our entire net worth in crypto. It got evaporated.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you, you position yourself as basically a digital family office, and you, and if you look at the spectrum of wealth management and advisory out there, you have you know players from the the Swiss guys, right, the UBSs of of the world, all the way down to the robo advisors in terms of Betterment and Wealthfront, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what what do you see on, uh, your yourself on on that spectrum, and and how did you land on the family office as sort of the the niche that you wanted to play in?
3: Sure. So I, I think the best way to characterize that is, you know, we use the, you know, the family office as the North Star, because that very much is the, the kind of pinnacle of a, you know, personal financial, you know, experience. So if you take, you know, what's, what's really great about that is that you as a client get to hand over your entire financial life to you know, to highly qualified folks, and it everything just kind of works for you. And that's kind of how we, you know, we see our, our goal is that, you know, clients should have a single unified view of all of their family's financial products, all their holdings in one place. They should expect that any action that touches those financial lives is accomplished in that same place. And they should have ready access to a wealth advisor and other members of their wealth team, like CPAs, estate attorneys, folks like that. Um, and of course, a broad array of investment vehicles to accomplish all the goals that they have. All of that, like you know, that's not crazy. That's you know, that I think that's what everybody hopes uh, that they that they might have. Historically, that experience, that high touch, you know, just hand everything over to me experience, has been you know, uh, kind of only for the the ultra wealthy. And I think what we're able to do is to take a lot of the, you know, a lot of aspects of that experience and not only you know, recreate it, uh, it, you know, for the same folks, but also bring that, you know, bring that same technology to bear for folks who are in the asset accumulation phase of their lives, who are Mm -hmm. getting to that point. And that's, um, you know, so that's what's really exciting about, uh, you know, about Farther to me is that we're able to serve a much broader spectrum, you know, both, you know, folks who would traditionally find themselves there who want something that's a little bit more tech forward, but also, you know, people on their way up.
1: Got it. So you're basically going after Henrys with families, right?
3: If you if you look at the uh, a, a good portion of our of our client base, they definitely look like that dual income professional couple in the you know Bay Area, and New York, and you know other places like that, um, you know big cities, uh, and um, you know exactly there's, there's Henrys who are getting closer and closer to the uh, to the yet part of that equation.
0: <laughs> so that's the high earner, not rich yet.
3: That's right. That's
0: right. Oh, okay. I'm only the not rich yet part. <laughs> You'll get there. See, that's why you need us. <laughs> what do you wish of advisors when you meet with them? What do you wish they already knew? And, and the same for like the, the clients who are investing their money? What, what do you what's a common thing that or misconception or, or thing that they, you wish they were educated on already?
3: from an advisor perspective, you know, I think that the, the real goal for us is to just illuminate how much better it can be to, to do your job when you're not focused on the compliance burden, the ops, the admin, the, you know, all, all of the kind of restrictions that come from working at a, you know, at, at, at a big bank. And I think once you, once you've you know, abstract away a lot of that work into you know into technology, or you know, or to a a service team. You end up in a place where you can serve your clients better, uh, and not only can you you know have more time back to you know build your business and serve your clients better, but you can also uh, provide your clients a better you know more twenty twenties you know t- uh, you know consumer tech experience. And I think the you know the combination of of that plus the you know the, that kind of target goal of the um, you know family offices the North Star, I'd say um, you know, I, I think that that's something that we're just now really able to offer, and we're excited to be at the forefront of delivering it.
0: and then what uh, what are some misconceptions on the uh, the people investing their money or or education point?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest misconception is that. Wealth management is all about investments. You know, people think that people, when really it's investments are at the very core, they are one of the, one of the, one of the offerings that we have, but it's really about the entire situation. And it's about, it's about lending. It's about trust and estate planning uh, and ensuring that you're, you're an optimal path across all of those. And most people think, why do I need an advisor? An advisor is not going to outperform the market. And I think most advisors are like, yeah, I'm not going to outperform the market because I'm not like a quant god and i'm not going to try to uh but we will make sure that you are fully invested it's more important that we that we get your money moving into an optimal plan that you're comfortable with because that's where our biggest win is going to be
0: oh god it's a more comprehensive yeah yeah i'd have to say i think of it as just that that money not as much on the the planning and having everything in place uh as life events come up
2: yeah, and that's what true advisors do. I think there's this big misconception that you're, you're going to be talking to Bud Fox out there. It's going to be slinging you, you know, and got <laughs> steel.
0: <laughs> like a Wolf of Wall Street uh, scenario. Or something.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's not even close to what a real wealth relationship looks like. It's not surprising that people think this, though, because wealth management is not a scalable business right now. And mm. because it's not scalable, only a few people have access to it. So you have this weird misconception of, or like this mismatch between what the public thinks of as as a wealth advisor and what actually clients and advisors experience in in close relationships. And it's sad because I think it really is a turnoff when you think that you're going to be talking to like a Wolf of Wall Street uh, kind of folks. And let's be clear, though, the reputation is well earned by many people who represent represent themselves as wealth advisors and who are really product salespeople. Um, And that's just about what real, real wealth management is about.
1: Right. So interesting. And then uh, in terms of, of the market as well, um, how do you see the, the foray of the larger banks into sort of the more digital first self-managed space for wealth advisory? So, you know, companies like Wells and Citibank kind of offer the whole range of solutions from a personalized, from, from a, a person that you can call with, 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 with any questions about your trust and your estates your, your and all that. Um, any, any sort of legal documents that, that you, ha- you have to get in place, all the way down to an app that you can use to manage your, you know, 100k or so, to, 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 200k or so. So how do you position y- yourself within that context? And what do you think is the thing that will differentiate you and farther from those other players? Yeah, I, I think
3: the, I think robo-advisors and, you know, a lot of what you, you know, a, a lot of the innovation that's kind of happened over the last, you know, decade or so has been you know, phenomenal. It's it's made asset allocation, you know, a whole lot easier, you know, achievable for, um, you know, for folks who you know, have a, you know, don't have terribly complex situations. I think once you start, entering that realm where, um, you know, there is more complexity, there's concentrated position, there's equity, comp, there's the, you know, more, some of the challenges that we, we talked about earlier, that's where, you know, that, uh, that advice there comes in. And for, for some folks, you know, just being able to call in and, you know, talk to a, you know, some person, uh, any person at all, uh, you know, is, is fine. I think for many though, you know, having that consistent touch point, somebody who gets to know you, understands your family situation, uh, understands, you know, how uh, how things have changed, uh, that you don't have to catch up to speed, every, you know, uh, every time that you, uh, you talk to, like that's the, you know, that sort of situation is, um, you know, is where a place like Farther can be really beneficial. Um, I think when you look at, you know, even some, you know, even some of the offerings that you know, bigger banks have, you know, below their, their kind of private bank offerings, it's a, um, you know, the, the, there's a good experience that, that you can have if you're comfortable doing every, doing most everything by yourself.
2: Hmm. And, big, and bigger banks and stuff. I, like I, I came from, from a rather well-known large bank, uh and you know the way that you build your technology as you start out really impacts your or really puts a ceiling on what you can do so i'm sure there's some ceiling that in like you know 2020 or like 2035 people be like farther doesn't even use quantum computing because like we're still on like binary computers and stuff <laughs> I, and i hope to have that kind of that kind of argument but um but there's a lot there are a lot of choices that have, have been made uh, in big tech stacks in big and changing big bank tech stacks that are very difficult so I, I think if you go to every big bank they're going to tell you AI is is the future of this business and they're right they are talking about but they can't get the people around the table to actually yeah. like agree on how to drive towards that future. everything that they have to do we are do, we are also doing but they have to start by tearing down their entire stack and rebuilding it. We just got to build in the year twenty, you know, twenty nineteen, uh, on all kind of new technology, and that's going to cause our acceleration in that kind of middle smart layer of AI to really, you know, blast through and, and, and add scale to our business, at scale, add personalization, um, and add a lot more automation on both the advisor and um, and client sides.
1: Speaking so of scale and in- and automation as well, I, those seem to be like very capital intensive things to tackle now. We've seen how there's been, you know, I think for the past few years, so FinTech has taken two out of $35, right? In, in terms of funding. And we've seen, I think a 20% drop in funding uh, in Q1 of this year. So I'm assuming that the fundraising space will be a little more tricky to, to navigate for founders um, in the future. Um, do you feel like you have enough sort of a, a capital on runway to actually scale up and, and get to where you, where, where you, where you want to be from a product perspective? To be able to take on all those guys who may eventually be able to, you know, even if they are slow to build their services, they may eventually get there. So, how do you think about sort of that 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 equation between being able to scale up, the funding that you need, the funding ecosystem, and also competing with very deep-pocketed players in the space?
2: Now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Funding are going down. What? What's this? What? what this is, time is time? all news to me. This is a like competitive yes. market. No. Yes.
2: We, so obviously, what we do is we scream from the top of our lungs that we're a Web three yes. company.
1: Yes. And
2: like, and now we have unlimited funding, right?
1: Don't forget the laser eyes. <laughs> That's right.
2: So uh, actually, our so our company has never been easy to raise for. And it's realistically, we're turning the corner on that. So what happened in this market, in the wealth market, the robos came out in 2008 in the wake of the financial crisis on huge momentum and like backlash against big, big institutions. And they said, we're going to go disrupt the world and change it. And they didn't do anything. And they, their customer acquisition costs were just like, Insanity. And basically they turned off every VC in the market to actually funding this space. So what happened is that no one ended up funding the wealth tech space uh, for a very long time. If you really drill into what fintech funding looks like, it looks like a lot of point solutions, a lot of like infrastructure back office infrastructure kind of stuff, nothing with a brand, nothing with like addressing like total, total wealth management. And, um, and I, I think that's changing now, but when we started out, we were not, it was not in a good position. And I think in some ways that made us more disciplined about our opportunity. So we got to, we just were like, you know, like serve up the next objection, swat it down, serve it up, right. swat it down. And we've, we've been doing that for, for a long time now. And I, and I think we, we finally have crossed this precipice where it's like, oh my gosh, you guys are going to, you guys are going to make it. And your platform, you've built so much in such a short period of time. And now the conversation is easier because everyone around the table agrees there's $35 trillion worth of wealth, wealth coming downhill. There's 17 trillion, you know, just like fl- an additional 17 trillion just floating around out there. The market is just so insanely large that if you have any sort of uh, ability to operate in it, which we have proven that we do, mm-hmm. it's, it becomes easier. We're, we're we're still new. We we but like we're used to see our face. Like if our company had a face, it'd be like wrinkly, but like in a tough way, like, like really that the Zelensky,
0: before and after the war kind of thing.
2: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Hard, like real hard, yeah. <laughs> hard looking. Um, and we, I mean, we've survived the pandemic. We've survived tough, tough funding. This is a competitive market where mm-hmm. there where there's a lot on the line for clients and for and for the people for the come institutions. And, uh, but I guess say, hey, we, we are fighters and we like it.
0: We like a good challenge. Yeah, it's hard to convince, I guess, uh, investors and your partners of what the future will look like until you, you survive it. And you kind of prove that your vision of the future is what's going to work. Cause like you're, you're saying a lot of companies are out there and their vision might be right. It might be wrong. What about where you guys are is kind of proving out your model. What, what, what do you show them now?
2: Well, we have, you know, we're just under $200 million in assets right now. And that is up from like basically nothing sort of last year. We have just, and we're we're just growing and doubling up like kind of every few months. And, and we have been recruiting really great advisors out of really big firms. And if, and if you think about like, You know, startups always revolve. There's a great like framework around evaluating startups uh, about like how many miracles is a startup solving? Uh, Like too many, and what's the right amount? Uh, More than one is too many. You know, zero is or zero is not enough miracles. And the miracle for a big miracle for us is that like there is huge demand for advisors to join us from really big institutions. If you think about how how wild it is that like. You know, like people are jumping out of places like Wells, Goldman, Merrill, and coming to join the dream, a uh, farther in the dream of rebaking this industry. That's been our miracle, and that's what we show what we show investors. And we say to them that like these people are with us, and why are they with us? Because their vision for for what this industry should be aligns with with ours.
0: So definitely uh, plans for <laughs> a lot of growth. Um. Uh. Uh, a couple of angles on that. I, I guess, what, what do you see in um, technology that uh, makes you excited or that you'd want to apply uh, or expand at farther? I mean,
2: all of it, all of the technology. Web3. Can I have money now? Web3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the, I mean, what? What, <laughs> well, what sounds like
0: have... you're you're happy with your initial framework. It's like a good, uh, you're happy with it as a base to, to build on. So, That's... are there some, you know, some like a uh, technology where you're like, ah, oh, you know, we're really excited to to build this in. It would let us do save money or do things faster or whatever.
2: You know, it's, it's, that's an interesting way to frame the question. It's, I think it's more so about we're excited to be at this point in our journey, because the, because the journeys in technology don't start yesterday. They start right at the beginning. And sort of, I, I referenced this and. This is like this is a tremendously difficult area to build in. There's regulatory stuff. It's we're crossing product lines and you have to be really knowledgeable acro- across them. We 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 have to deal with like very intricate technologies for data gathering and analysis. And a lot, and so much of that was built in the first period of the company. So, like the for example, if we want to do anything with AI, the first the first question or the first question sort of thing that you need to answer. Is your data organization and how you how you organize it? How are you capturing it? And since the very earliest days of this company, we've been we have been capturing streams of data about about finance and uh, in, in organized in a way and written with written by me who has some expertise in AI. Um, and we now get to start lever- leveraging that as we scale up, and that's really exciting. What it means is that we can do things like. We can do things like automatically generate financial plans or decision-assist advisors and help augment their capabilities. That means they can scale, and and we get to do we get to be really begin leaning into that stuff at this phase of the company. Um, so it's not so much a, what do we get to add now; it's what do we get to use that we've already built.
0: Ah, really so exciting. you're harvesting now that solid base. That's right. That's right. Capabilities. Okay. It's yeah, hard to be enough. disciplined.
2: It's hard to be disciplined in those early stages uh, when, you, like you said, I mean, low resources, you got to be really, really disciplined in order Take to ahead. do that.
0: And, and that's Take such ahead. a contrast from, you know, the largest companies who are just this hodgepodge of systems and data and are always struggling to, to communicate and integrate with each other. So it's just such a huge advantage to do like what you're saying, start from uh, the latest technologies and, and plan it out well and, and set it up to be scaled and and uh, for those new new things that you know you're going to want to do later on so where yeah. do you see yourselves in uh, two or three years What what's a good situation for you guys
2: well I mean I would like to acquire Goldman at some point in the next couple of years but like
0: give revenge on that manager revenge is a too. good motivation
1: yeah <laughs>
0: they, yes. they didn't see my potential
1: yes yeah. if so only I were a DJ too yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
0: that's, right.
2: that's actually that's actually after the podcast is like just 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 to be clear and I, I guess I can announce it here my album's dropping in six months as an NFT yeah yeah I'm playing the Font- Fontainebleau in, uh, in Miami so love it, uh, love it. You, you can come there uh, I mean in two to three years you should see us scaling to tens of billions of dollars and you they I think at this point in time you look at this and you say those guys are those guys are figuring something out everyone at farther this guys everyone at farther <laughs> is, is, has something going on it's really interesting and really growthy um, but you're gonna start seeing the fruit the fruits of labor that we put that we've put in and you're gonna see, you're gonna see a very clear kind of oh my gosh that platform is in a way different place than anything else in the industry And then like we will be on the path. Um, But I think we're, uh, you know, I think we're gonna be in a very different place. And like I said, these things don't happen overnight. Uh, I wish I had like a really easy, easy thing that I could say like, oh, I invented that industry or something like that. I don't think that's ever how it really goes. Um, I think in reality, at every point, if you look at Facebook, they had massive competition. If you look at Amazon, they had massive competition, but like lot of them are sort of dead now. And a lot of that was just about it, was just because those companies were more disciplined in their execution. And um, and I really think we're in this magical moment of fintech, and like on a fintech podcast, this is appropriate, where real adoption is coming. You know, there's this video of Jeff Bezos and like you know, in the 90s, and he's like, Well, people are adopting an internet at a rate of a thousand percent a year. or or something like that. And he just saw the growth and this is where the serious things, the trust driven things come online in the tech wave. It's been more about transactional kind of things. No one, no, no one sweats buying a book online. No one really sweats, you know, investing a few dollars in a robo advisor, but moving tens of millions of dollars onto a platform is something that's possible now. And we're just getting started. Adoption is growing. And, uh, we we get to be one of those beneficiaries that like someone's going to be looking at us and be like oh my gosh i wish i was there when that during that time and thought I had this idea but in this moment it's about disciplined execution
0: i shouldn't have asked those guys to move i should have just invested <laughs> exactly <laughs> what a fool i was
1: that's right that's right
0: all right we won't say who it is Vinod not coast lab, but you know
1: yeah. um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, well well good luck to that it sounds like you, you guys are doing a great job. You certainly have the market uh, ahead of you, a good enough size. So best of luck to you and keep up the good work.
2: Thanks. And, and, you, and you all too. Keep keep sense keep spreading the fintech news. I mean, you know, I think that you have a lot of people on the show and they say like, gosh, this market is huge. And it really is it really is a huge market. And uh, you know, we don't want to be we don't want to be the victors in this market uh, against weak competitors we want to we want to have people driving us to victory
0: yeah yeah sounds like you're on the way that's brad genser and taylor matthews the co-founders of farther please hit subscribe to keep up with the latest in fintech news and thank you for listening